would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. Church, I want to encourage you, if you're struggling, man, make the Lord your sun and your shield today. And can I tell you that he is faithful? Can I tell you that he is trustworthy? Can I tell you that no good thing will be withheld from those who put their trust in him? And you're saying, well, I'm not seeing good. Pray to the Lord and ask him to open your eyes to see where it is and how it is that he's working. Because let me tell you, when he shows you that and he continues to show you that, it transforms your whole life. And then we can walk in life, giving him praise continually with, you know, the things that we do and not just the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. So let's lift up a prayer to God. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for you are so good to us. God, and we rejoice in your presence and we agree with David that better is just a moment in your presence than a thousand days elsewhere. Lord God, and we thank you for you are always with us. We're going to take the morning tithe and offering, so if I could have the ushers come up. And as they're doing that, I'm just going to continue to pray and we're going to bless it. God, we know that it is a blessing to be a blessing. Lord Jesus, and I just pray over your people this morning that they would know your abundance. Your abundance of joy and your abundance of love and your abundance of goodness that you pour out on us to be given to this community, to this world that we live in. Lord God, we acknowledge that this life we live is not our own. God, but we belong to you. Lord Jesus, everything that we have and everything that we are is yours. God, and we thank you and we praise you for you are good. Lord, I pray that you would bless this offering from our hearts, Lord God, and be glorified in everything that we do for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. It's so good to see you here. Continuing our sermon series that we began last week and uh, over the course of the last week, um, it seems like the world has gone to hysteria as a result of a contagious virus that we've been hearing about for the last couple of weeks. Has anyone here heard of the coronavirus? If you have not heard of the coronavirus, I want to talk to you after service because I need to know your secrets of how you avoid the hysteria and all the panic that is going on and it seems like it's all that's on TV or radio or news or whatever. The coronavirus has brought fear. It's brought worry and anxiety into our lives. It's impacted the financial markets of the world. It's canceled and altered many people's plans. It's suspended school in some places and other public events. It's caused a run on basic goods, including I heard that there's actually a lack of toilet paper right now in the United States. So if you, don't, if you are not stocked up in toilet paper, you better get some while you can, because you may not be able to because the coronavirus has attacked our toilet paper supply. 
And it's closed three Disney parks in Asia. When you mess with Disney World, you're, you're evil. Pure evil. And now people are even saying no to Corona beer. What a shame. Authorities and scientists in the medical community they've all have urged cautionary measures, but they've, they've also said there's no reason for panic. And yet it seems like all around there's panic. Why is it such a big deal? How many of you remember when your mom used to tell you that if you go outside when it's cold and without your coat, you're going to catch a cold? You know, remember that? Yep. Some of you was like, yeah, like last week that my mom told me that. <laughs> and especially the worst thing is if you ever were to get your head wet, that you would definitely come down with a cold or pneumonia or the flu. And... Um, there was this idea that to, to, to some, the cold weather causes colds. And the truth is that that's not exactly true. People catch more colds in the cold weather, not because of the cold, but because we're indoor and we're in closer quarters with people and they're germs and we get sick from germs, not from cold weather. Contagious people sneeze or they cough or they touch objects that you touch. And research shows that germs are contagious, and people carry germs. And when people catch whatever's going around, they become contagious, and they in turn spread those germs around. So hopefully the goal of this is that we'll all spread less germs. But that's really not what I want to talk to you about today. Over the last week, though, they've determined that people who have coronavirus and are contagious have been on the loose. In San Antonio, I was just there earlier this week, there was a woman that was released from quarantine and she went directly to the North Star Mall, and she ate in the food court, and she shopped at various stores, and it was later determined that she had coronavirus, has coronavirus, and was contagious as she was on the shopping spree through the mall. Doesn't that make you feel great? I didn't go to North Star Mall, just so you know, while I was in San Antonio. Contagious people are an impact to other people everywhere they go. They impact others if they spread what they're infected with, but they even impact others when they don't. Uh, I had a friend that went to North Star Mall yesterday, several days after the infected person went, and there was nobody there. They were take, post, posting a series of pictures. All the food court restaurants were open, but they, the three of them were the only ones eating in the food court. They were like, this is great. There's no line at Chick-fil-A. They actually bought a mattress that was marked down from $5,089 to $179. And they were like, Maybe the coronavirus person laid on it. I don't know, but I just got this amazing mattress and I'm going to spray it down with Lysol. There was nobody in the mall. It was a ghost town. People that are infected, people that are contagious, they impact others even when they're not there, even when people don't become infected. Today I want to challenge you to be all in and to live contagiously. All In is the vision campaign of new life, and we've started with the purpose of sharing the vision that God has given us to build a new church building and to accomplish the vision that he's given us to reach this community. And the purpose of this sermon series is for us to be asking the question, how can I be a part of the vision that God has given us for the future of New Life Church? And I believe that every person can be a part. If you're still breathing, there's a reason. 
God's not done with you. God wants to use you in his plan. If you're still breathing and you're here and you're a part of new life, I believe that God's going to use you as a part of the process to accomplish this all-in vision that he's given us. That we're saying we're all in for this community. We're all in because there's people in Laramie that need a relationship with Jesus. They need to experience new life in Christ, and we can be a part of it. And it's bigger than just building a new building. Last week, we talked about how all of us can play a part in prayer. And through the course of this series, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah and how Nehemiah responded to the assignment that God gave him, an assignment like ours that was bigger than him. And our assignment's bigger than us. And Nehemiah's first response to the need and to his assignment was prayer. He prayed deliberately. He prayed spontaneously. He prayed expectantly. And I challenge each of us to dedicate ourselves to prayer. The response to pray diligently was the first thing that Nehemiah did, but it wasn't the only thing that he did. And it wasn't something that prevented him from taking other steps. In fact, we have on record that Nehemiah prayed not only the prayer that we looked at last week in Nehemiah chapter 1, but he prayed 14 times throughout almost every chapter of the book of Nehemiah. It was something that he continually did and that we're going to have to continually do as we move along and respond to the vision that God's given us. So continue praying. It's the first response. It's an ongoing practice, but Nehemiah didn't stop there, and neither can we. The second thing that I want us to look at that Nehemiah did as a part of his being all in on the assignment that God gave him was that he resolved to live contagiously. And you may ask, why in the world would you talk to us about being contagious in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak? It seems a little too soon or a little tacky to do that, but why, why not say influential instead or, or just that we should be persuasive? All those things are good. And I hope that we're influential and I hope that we're persuasive. But Nehemiah was more than that and I want us to be more than that. Contagious people can't even help but to infect others. Even if they don't know that they're contagious, they're contagious. They do it without thinking, without planning. Everywhere they go, they take the coronavirus with them, like it or not. Even to the North Star Mall. I don't want you to infect the world with coronavirus. <coughs> but how amazing would it be if the lives that we lived resulted in us being contagious Christ followers to the point that we couldn't help but impact people in our homes, in our work, in our schools, and around us each and every day, that even when we didn't realize that we were making an impact on people, that our lives are so contagious as Christ followers that we can't help but to impact the people that are around us and that people would see and notice something different and they would want what we have. They'd become like us. They see so much of Jesus in us and the way that we live our lives that if we spend any time around other people at all that they become infected with the love of Jesus and it changes their lives and they also become a contagious Christian. Unfortunately, what usually gets spread around more often than not is not positive things. It's not contagious Christ followers that usually get spread. Usually negative things get spread instead of positive. Coronavirus gets spread and there's panic. People post bad reviews because they get negative service. Rarely do good reviews ever get posted, even when service is good. When was the last time that you called a manager to your table at a dining establishment because you wanted to brag on how great the service was? Probably it was a lot longer ago than the last time you called the manager because of bad service. We spread negative things. We were contagious with negative things more than positive. How many times have we wasted a chance to be contagious Christ followers instead of being infectious ones? 
I want to show you a, a classic movie clip from a classic movie, one of the, the all-time classics, really, that illustrates this point a little bit more, that sometimes we're more contagious to the negative than we are to the positive. Check out this clip. Are you going to teach us anything, or are we just going to sit here? Just do whatever you want. I want to learn from my teacher. Besides that, <laughs> Freddie, what do you like to do? I don't know. Burn stuff? Just go out and have recess. My parents don't spend $15,000 a year for recess. What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. <coughs> yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins, she's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? <laughs> Stick it to the man, it was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh no, the man ruined that too with a little thing called MTV! Don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome because a man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crush your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! Oh! Like I said, one of the all-time classic movies. So many times if we're even bothered to share anything at all, to be disturbed from our uh, monotony of life and what we're focused on. What we share is not positive. What we're contagious with is not something positive. We're not contagious Christ followers. We're focused on the negative that we see around us all the time. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6, says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. What an incredible life to live that you can look back and see that as a result of being around somebody, that all of a sudden they became like you and the God inside of you. And that should be our goal as contagious Christ followers. Paul was a contagious Christian, and the people that he was around became like him and like the Lord that he was full of. And Nehemiah also chose to live contagiously. And I want to share with you how he did it in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 17 through 20. You can follow along in your Bible, your tablet device. We're on the YouVersion app. It says this in Nehemiah 2, 17 through 20. You see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem and the, uh, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. 
And as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Did you notice the response to Nehemiah's speech? I want you to remember that these are people in Jerusalem that are discouraged. They're surrounded by rubble. They're under attack. And the first response of the people when Nehemiah shows up and he, he evaluates what's going on in the scene and he casts this vision that God has given him to rebuild, the response of the people is, let's start rebuilding. They weren't like that before Nehemiah showed up. Whatever it was that Nehemiah brought with him when he came to Jerusalem, they caught it and it caused them to leave their, their attitude of complacency because he left the palace and he committed himself to a huge assignment. And what Nehemiah had didn't stay with Nehemiah. It was contagious. It's spreading. And the same thing can happen to us if we allow it to. So today I want to give you the ABCs of contagious living as seen in Nehemiah's life. And the first of those is that a life of action is contagious. We see this in Nehemiah that he didn't just pray. He didn't just stop with prayer. He didn't just say something needs to be done. The way that Nehemiah took action is on display all throughout the book. We see it from the very beginning. He prayed. He told the king that he had to go. He could have stayed distant. He could have stayed in the palace. He could have hoped for the best. He could have continued to send thoughts and prayers. But Nehemiah wasn't content to be inactive. He wanted to take action. James 2.17 says that faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. The faith that we have inside of us has to motivate us to do something, to motivate us to action. Nehemiah was like the kid on the bench that wants to play, and he's saying, Coach, I'm ready. Coach, you know, whatever you need me to do, Coach, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Coach, I'll make that shot. Coach, put me in. I don't want to stay on the, the bench. I don't want to stay on the sidelines. Coach, can you get me in the game? Nehemiah is saying, I've got to be... I've got to be active. I've got to do something about what's happening. God's given me assignment, and I've got to act. We live in a world and a culture today that criticizes the church because oftentimes our response is to say that we're sending thoughts and prayers. And when I hear that criticism, I immediately respond defensively, oh, that they just don't know the power of prayer, what God can do through prayer. But as I was reading this passage, and I see that Nehemiah was moved to pray, and that was his first response, and he understood the power of prayer, but it stood out to me that he didn't only pray. He didn't just post a Facebook status and say, I'm sending thoughts and prayers to Jerusalem, and then go on about his business in the palace. He was moved to action. He left the palace, and he went to work. And it was contagious to other people that were around him. I wonder how differently things would be in our world if what people saw from the church wasn't that we only send thoughts and prayers but that after that we've diligently prayed, that we begin to act. Oh, you're going through a divorce? I'm not sending thoughts and prayers only, but let me come alongside of you. and Let's do life together. And let me lend a hand with your kids. And This situation looks like rubble, but God is a God of restoration. Let's see if your marriage is something that can be restored and rebuilt. And if God wants to restore you that way, or if there's some other way that God's going to bring about his glory in your life. Oh, you're struggling with addiction. I'm not just going to send thoughts and prayers and then talk about you behind your back. Let me get in the trenches with you. Let me give you my phone number. Let me get your phone number. I want to call you. I want to walk alongside you. Have I told you about Teen Challenge, the awesome ministry that's starting in Wyoming to help people find freedom over addictions? I'd be glad to drive you there. Your life is in ruins. Well, I want to be a part of the rebuilding process that God intends for your life. Oh, you're sick. You've suffered an injustice. Your car's broken down. 
There's families in our community that don't know where the backpack or the school supplies are coming from. We can do something. We can make a difference, but we have to be moved to action. And maybe instead of being criticized, we would become contagious Christ followers. And instead of people saying, I don't want to be a part of a no good, do nothing bunch of no good people, they would instead say, let's start rebuilding. Let's be a part. I want to be a part of that. Here's a church that makes a difference in their community and they respond to the needs around them and they're moved to action and they have an assignment and they're doing something. Where do I sign up for that? Let's go and build the church that God's called them to build. We want a church that gives back to our community more than what we ask for them from them. Nehemiah's life of action was contagious, but also we see from Nehemiah that a life of belief is contagious. Nehemiah didn't just act, and, and probably the reason that he did act was because he believed God. He said in Nehemiah 2.20 to the doubters and the troublemakers and the opposition that the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. What would have happened if Nehemiah would have backed down when he got asked a tough question? Or when he was asked, why in the world are you doing this, or got challenged in any way with questions about how are you going to do this. I don't think he would have been cont as contagious as he was if he didn't believe God in spite of what he could see in front of him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we see that in Nehemiah's life. What was he walking around when he gave this speech to the people of Jerusalem? He's walking around ruins. He's walking around walls that have been torn down and are burning with fire. There's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot to work with. But Nehemiah says, we've got to do this. God's called us to act. And we believe that we are going to do it. That, that God of heaven will give us success. That we, his servants, will start rebuilding. He trusted God. He put his faith in God. I love determination and stubbornness and you can ask my wife i have a good amount of both of those things grit is good i got to hear uh, on friday from professor kent noble from the university of wyoming ethics department it's incredible he talked this week about grit and how grit is good and after i finished hearing him speak i wanted to be grittier <laughs> but you know what's better than grit faith belief that god is able and he will do what he said he will do. I don't know exactly how we're going to raise the money that we need to raise over the next three years to build the building that God has called us to build. I don't know how long it's going to take us to sell this building or the 25 acres of property that we need to sell so that we can start to build. I don't have all the answers about when and where and how and how long, but do you know what I do have? I have belief. I have faith that God whose promise is faithful. I believe that he who began a good work in us is going to be faithful to complete it. That God is able and in him we are more than conquerors. That I'm going to see a victory over the enemy and over the opposition. And I'm going to see the assignment that God has given us completed. Not by our might or our power, but by his spirit. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. It's normal in life to have questions. To have moments of doubt and times where you question, is this really what God has for me? If you haven't come to a place of questioning in your relationship with the Lord and following all that God has for you, you just haven't followed him long enough. Because it happens to everyone. One of our values here at New Life is that we want people to be able to belong before they believe. And maybe you're here today in that situation. You're struggling with belief. You don't know what 
you believe or what to believe. And let me just reiterate that you're welcome here and we're so glad that you're here. We believe that church should be a safe place to ask questions and that learning and growing should happen at church and that you can experience God in different ways. And, and maybe you don't think and believe the same things that we think and believe, but you're drawn here maybe because of community or maybe because we have good food and we eat a lot, which we do. Maybe because you know someone here. And those are all, those are all fine reasons for you to start coming. And, and you're welcome. We're glad that you're here. We firmly believe that God is big enough to answer all of our questions, reveal himself to each and every one of us. But it's also our hope that this would be a slippery slope for you and that one day you're going to fall in. That in the same way that people that play on the slippery slope of sin long enough eventually fall in, that people that play on the slippery slope of God's plan for their life and relationship with him are going to experience God in a real way. It's our prayer each and every week that you would sense and experience God's presence in a real way and that you would see people that believe and act in faith and that that belief would be contagious to you. That's what we believe for this church. It's what we believe for this community. The people around us are going to see the faith that we have. They're going to see belief that moves us to action. and They're going to desire what we have. So today, regardless of what place you are in your belief and your walk with the Lord, you're welcome. Believe what you want or don't believe at all. But we are praying for you to believe and become all that God's created you for. But that shouldn't scare you because you don't believe, right? Not only action and belief are contagious, but a life of courage is contagious. We talked about the doubters a little bit already, but check out verse 19 and 20. It says, When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem heard about it, they, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you will have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. I imagine that even though the response from the group had already been to say, let's start rebuilding just a couple verses earlier, I can almost guarantee you that as Nehemiah faced the false accusations and the opposition and being mocked and ridiculed, that every eye was on Nehemiah to see how he would respond. Part of the reason that Nehemiah lived contagiously was because he lived courageously. If this is such a good idea, to rebuild Jerusalem, then why hadn't somebody else already come up with a plan to rebuild Jerusalem? It's because it was hard. It's because it was expensive and there was an enemy and there was opposition and it required somebody to be courageous and to take a stand. Billy Graham said that courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. And we see that happening here in Jerusalem with the story of Nehemiah. That there was a group of people that they desired to see Jerusalem rebuilt, but there wasn't anyone that was willing to take a stand to see it happen and have the courage that was needed to make it happen until Nehemiah shows up on the scene. Sometimes it takes a little bit of courage to inspire others to be courageous as well. You see, as they began to work, the opposition didn't give up following these verses that we read. Instead, you can read in the, the following chapters that the, the opposition got angry. They even planned attacks on the group. And you see Nehemiah's courage was contagious and all of a sudden courage rises up in the other workers. It says that they wore swords with them to work on the wall. And they weren't intimidated, but they were, they were courageous. They had a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand at times when they were working. They posted guards and they were able to courageously complete the work that God gave them to do. 
There's people around us that are watching our lives and they see us at our best and they see us at our worst. They see when we come under attack and when we face opposition and courage comes in different forms. It doesn't require someone to be loud and boisterous and we don't see that from Nehemiah. Sometimes it's simply taking a stand for what's right. Sometimes it's simply standing on the promises of God and declaring the truth of God's word. Sometimes it's, it's just standing for what's right when no one else will. Being convinced that if God is for you, who can be against you? Even being a little gritty and not backing down at the first sign of opposition. I shared with you last week that we're not only believing God to rebuild or to build the building that we need to, to build, but we're also believing that we will become the church that God wants us to be. That's just as important of a process that has to take place. I believe that he wants us to be contagious. The reason that we're building a new building is because there's people in this community that God wants us to reach, that God wants us to impact lives that are waiting to be changed, that God's going to use a building and use a church that's going to grow into that building to impact that community in an incredible way. I think God wants his people to be the kind of people that don't just talk a good talk, but they walk the walk, and they put it into action, and they restore the things that have been in ruins. I think God wants us to be a people of faith, a people that trust him and believe him and take him at his word, and we see him move to the point that people who didn't used to believe, they have no choice but to believe because they see what God is doing in response to our faith. That even when we can't see it all, that we believe God and we put our faith into action, trusting that God is able and God is going to do it and God is faithful to his promise. We're not always going to have it easy. We're not always going to be given everything or experience smooth sailing. This whole thing is a spiritual battle. That's why we're setting the armor of God as spiritual warfare. And I encourage you to stay after the service and be a part of the class that's happening right back here. We're talking about the breastplate of righteousness today. Cindy Kelly is going to be teaching. did an incredible job last week. It'll encourage you. Because we can't stand on our own. It's going to require us to take a stand and to stand firm. But we have to do it with spiritual armor because we're fighting a spiritual enemy. Easter's five weeks from today. And I shared last week that Easter Sunday was our biggest attendance of the year last year. We had 181 people. And so many that came and made decisions for Christ for the first time. <coughs> and I asked you last week to pray for Easter and pray for our services and pray for the people that you're going to invite. Pray that you would be contagious to the people that are around you. I'm believing God that for the first time ever on Easter Sunday this year that we would have 200 people in our services that day. It would be incredible to see that happen I'm praying that God would give us 20 salvation decisions for him that day, that people that don't know him, 20 of them would walk into a service because they were invited, because someone lived contagiously around them, and they came just to see what it's all about. And that God changed their lives. We're going to have three services that Sunday because there's no way for us to fit 200 people in this building in two services. It just won't happen. We barely fit 181 in three services last year. So we're going to have an 8 a.m. service we're going to have a 9.30 a.m. service, and we're going to have an 11 a.m. service on Palm Sunday and on Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday is just the week before Easter. We're going to have Easter egg hunts after every service on Palm Sunday. It'll be a big outreach Sunday to the families of our community. We'll have all the promo material for this in the next few weeks, but I want to encourage you to begin to pray and to begin to live contagiously. 
that God would use you in a powerful way to impact people that are around you, that you can't even help it. That our prayer would be, God, would I be so passionately devoted to what you've called me to and to the life that I have with you that I would just be contagious, that everywhere I go, that if I sit on a mattress, that that mattress is going to be dropped by $4,000 in price because I've forever changed that mattress. I believe if we're contagious Christ followers, that we can see it happen. And it's more than just inviting people. That's good. We'll have invite cards for you. We're going to have all the social media stuff rolled out, and we want you to share it and hand those out. But more than an invitation, that they would see something in us that they can't resist. That there's someone that's doing something and making a difference. That there's someone who believes and they're putting their faith into action. That there's a courageous person that's willing to take a stand in a culture where few people are willing to take a stand for what's right. I want to be like that. I I need what that person has. That that would be the response from people around us. There's also more ways to be contagious. We saw three of them here from Nehemiah and I put them into ABC so that you could remember them really easily action and belief and being courageous but there's more than than just those ways of being contagious you can be contagious by being a good employee and getting to work on time you can be contagious by supporting your leaders and saying good things behind their back not only to their face you know a church already has enough infectious gossipers be contagious encouragers find ways to encourage people be contagious by being a good tipper at the restaurant that you go to de- to today there's lots of ways that you can be contagious and that's my prayer that god would raise us up and build us into a contagious church i love the song that we sang just a little while ago Alyssa led us in it was incredible powerful because i want to build our life but god wants to build our church as well That we would live and impact the people that are around us. That we would make a difference in the world that's around us and the people that we see and the people that we interact with. That we would be so contagious as Christ followers that we couldn't help but impact our community. That when you start a new job next week and you go and you show up at work, that all of a sudden that workplace has changed because you're contagious. And when you go to school tomorrow morning and you show up in that class and you interact with your professor and the students that are there, that you can't help but change that class and make a difference because you're contagious. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me today? God, I pray that you would cause us to be a contagious church. We would be contagious Christ followers. Lord, we'd be even more contagious in our world than the coronavirus. In a few weeks, We see how this virus has penetrated countries and news of it's traveled around the world. And we pray that you would move in terms of that virus and bring health and healing and peace. We don't make light of the situation that's happening in our world. We pray that, God, that you'd move in that situation. But, God, it's our desire to be contagious Christ followers to people around us. Lord, as we examine what a virus has done in just a few weeks and how it's traveled and the impact that it's had on the world, God, Let it be a reminder to us the difference that we can make in our world. That we all interact with people and we impact people in people's lives. Lord, if we're contagious for you, if we would spread what what you've given to us, what you've filled us with, your spirit, your love to a world that's in need, and they in turn turn around and do the same, Lord, that we we can change the world. We can make a difference. That we can be the church that you've called us to be. Lord, as we're evaluating this vision that you've given us of being all in and the part that we can play in that, Lord, not not every one of us here can physically build a church building. 
Not every one of us here has the means to give a large gift that would financially provide for the building. But Lord, all of us can pray. All of us can live contagiously and become the church that you've called us to become and to impact our community in the way that you've called us to do it. So Lord, help us to live contagiously. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.